Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, Tyson Jackson at the moment. We're on the board. S&P Futures down 16. NASDAQ Futures down 60. Dow Futures down 121. We're actually... Uh, down today, which is kind of unusual. We had obviously a very good week last week, and we've been bullish for quite some time in a lot of these stocks, especially the NASDAQ, but maybe a little bit of a turnaround today. Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it's a buy the dip, and we'll, fill, you know, we'll end up up on the day. What do you think, Brian? Are you buying the dip? Um, no, I'm not. I'm just going to hold steady for a little bit. Um, how long is a little bit? Like a year, two years, uh, an hour? <laughs> not sure. I'll play it by ear on that part. Oh, God. But, you know, I, I thought when you talk about the dip, I thought maybe you were going to go exploring into the uh, into the Atlantic Ocean looking for the Titanic. Um, yeah, how's that working out? Not very good. Imagine paying $250,000 and not being able to, to be found. That You're just going to um, be in a very difficult spot underwater, that far underwater. Um, what do you mean? They know right where they are. No, they don't. Well, they're two and a half miles down. <laughs> yeah, but they don't know where. Well, it's like if you dropped your watch in the Lake Michigan, you know, right where it is. It's not lost. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay, so they're in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think there's much. they got 96 hours where they are, eh? Uh, yeah, less than that now. They're probably down to about, uh, what, 24 hours? How do you get any equipment there to even go try and find them on sort of short notice? How does that work? Well, they can't. They're, they're apparently, the Canadian Navy and the U.S. Navy are rushing stuff down there that are deep-sea submersibles so they can try to find them. But I don't think, from what I've heard on the on the news reports in the papers, uh, they don't have the ability to get them out if they find them. And they could be so deep that they wouldn't be able to get down there anyway. Uh, yeah, they probably need the thing the guys are in to go get them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a... Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, good luck getting another group of volunteers to go down there in another one of those commercials. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, well, I you know I don't. I guess uh, nothing is nothing is without risk of any kind. I mean, there's people that uh, one of these. Well, I don't know. I just that would be. A well, you're right. Uh, it's risky. To, it's risky to cross the street. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's risky to do anything in Chicago these days. Uh, mm-hmm. Hope you haven't been watching the news because it was a pretty bad weekend. I heard about that. Yeah, we're over we're over at camp today, so uh, don't know exactly what was going on all weekend. I uh, well, we had a. I'm just kind of doing this by memory. We had a 23 lot shooting in the Burbs. Now that one doesn't even. Oh yeah, I heard that out in Willowbrook. And we had a uh, one five at least one by Lincoln Park. We had another five, I think, in Roseland. A four and a couple of threes. So that's a pretty good weekend. 
Yeah, we heard about. Yeah, I heard about the thing over in Lincoln Park because that's really close to to where we are, uh, right by the farmers market there on Saturday morning, and by the children's zoo. Um, it was right in front of the, the zoo. Amazing thing. Well, they made four thirty in the morning. I don't think those were um, people from the neighborhood out there picnicking at four o'clock in the morning. Four thirty no. in the morning. No, it's uh, the most chilling one is. Uh, I mean, I uh, from time to time, you know, maybe once a month or something, I stop in at Club Lago. I like that, it's a good little place. Yeah. And uh, well, they're on Superior, but it's three hundred West Erie. Of course, catches my eye. It's six thirty in, in the evening. You know, somebody. Uh, Somebody get shot there. I'm thinking mm-hmm. it's like a block away. <laughs> this is getting really close to where <laughs> where I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. in my family, I mean, you know, they're from the south side. They still drive down 87th Street or whatever. And uh, you know, it's a uh, and the so all of a sudden there's a video of it. They got this guy chasing another dude. It looks like a like one of those assault, I couldn't tell you the type. One of those assault rifles. They actually, have you ever held one of those things? They're really light. You think that they mm-hmm. look, they look like something where guys are carrying around like in the show combat where they barely lugging the thing around? They're not. They're really light. I mean, they're other than the the barrel and you know, I don't know much about guns. The rest of it is like a super lightweight pl- plastic. These assault guns. I mean, you'd have, you'd have no problem wandering around with any of the guys chasing this dude with the thing up in the air, running after him and shoots him in the head. Tell, tell me that that guy is rehabable. I don't see how they. I don't, I, I don't see how that's possible. I mean, from from my from my perspective, somebody who does that is just not rehabilitable. You can't rehabilitate that. Well, of course, they got to run a million cameras. They actually caught that guy. I mean, I don't even. I, I don't even know what you do. I mean, it's a. Mm-hmm. This is a. I mean, it's 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 somewhat. You know, a funny part of it, our our buddy Doctor Jay's come on show with us. Where it became you know huge. Uh, he one day he was talking about the we're in, he goes we're into the third generation in some of these neighborhoods, and he says the first generation was you had you know people sort of families took care of the kids, and the next group is uh, the kids are really since the, there's all kinds of drugs all over the place and people are having kids you know they're not taking care of them. The, the grandmothers who are still normal in terms of behavior, took care of the kids. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the next generation, and the grandmothers are gone. And the mothers who were, who were, were the needed the grandmothers to take care of the kids are now the grandmothers, and they don't want to take care of anybody. Yeah. It's almost that, I mean, this this idea, they had some poor lady, they interviewed her, she, was, she gets caught in a crossfire somewhere, right? And she's, you know, she's in the car, and of course, it shoots out her, there are all these bullet holes in her car and two tires. Somehow she drives home with the two tires out. I don't know how well she did that, but she did. And she's interviewing, saying there's nobody, nobody to help her with her kids, and blah blah blah. What is she getting killed? I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm, it's not up to me to talk about other people's culture, Brendan, but this idea that you have kids and, and the guys just keep wandering, and that, and they have no, no, bear no responsibility of taking care of this family. I don't know what kind of culture that is. It's one we got to get. I mean, it, it's got to stop. I mean, we're. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think society is set up to take care of out of a thousand kids. Maybe five or ten that you know parents die accident disease whatever it is or I mean you know like my family my dad died young I mean we had a, a strong family structure but if we didn't you know you, my mom would have needed some help uh, I mean there's 
on some level, you can do that. You can't do it if everybody does it that way, where, where, mm-hmm. the, where the guys just wander around and leave their trophies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, this, this, I mean this is nuts. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know I, how. You... I, I agree. There has to be a, a much stronger family culture uh, across the country, uh, and you know, it seems predominant in the cities, but I think it's it's been more universal. I guess too. In all parts of the country, it, it's not. I mean, it's it's not just on the. On certain parts of of large cities, I think it's uh, it's much more pervasive than that. Well, but it's I don't I don't know if you look at actually the the, the marriage numbers. I mean, they're huge. It's like you know eighty eighty some percent of kids in some neighborhoods are uh, are born out of wedlock, but other areas, right? It's it's not a, it's not I don't think it has anything to do with whether you, well, it's not much to do whether you're married or not. It's whether you participate in the upbringing and come up with some dough. Well, that's right, and and I, on on both fronts, both yeah. financially supporting the family, and also being there physically as a presence uh, with good direction, and um, and you know when you talk about families, how many families have um, siblings that are true full siblings, um, not right, you know ha- half siblings or you know several times over, uh, that kind of consistency I think in the family structure is lacking in the country right now and uh and that's unfortunate because that leads to a lot of the the you know inability to care for and raise children in a, in a civil manner well and a lot of other people are, are really pretty tired about tired of paying for it mm-hmm. you know you know it's a, I, I never could quite figure out the uh like the, when new orleans the hurricane hit the the really poor area was it was it ward five or something nine ninth ward, ninth ward whatever he's talking about you know this uh, culture, and I'm thinking, there's nobody here seems to have a job. I mean, it's like, w- w- do we want to re- do we want to re- redo this? <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know. Hey, I got to. One thing fascinating happened uh, Sunday night. My, what was that? Uh, well, my girlfriend. You know, you know how Audrey is with animals, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm driving back to my brother's because there's n- nobody around all weekend. I guess everybody must be out of town, but. Um, Juneteenth holiday. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think any kind of way you can get away from, in the summertime with an extra day, you go. But uh, anyway, so we're driving along. Uh, I think it was 135th Street, Brenda, back to my brother. She goes, "Hey, take take 131st Street, 135th. There's uh, allegedly this matching uh, or a, a mated pair of uh, bald eagles." Really? And uh, she goes, "Maybe because there's nobody on the road, but us." She goes, "Slow down, see if we can see them." So we, I slow down. Sure enough. There's a break in the trees, and there's this tree, you know, pretty far off in the distance. And it's doesn't have any leaves on it. The thing's dead. Well, the, the, the size of this nest on this tree, God bless. It looked like we could sleep in it, Brennan. And sure enough, yeah. standing next to him, there's the Mod Pie Eagle uh, standing there. Did you guard. see any eaglets? Uh, no, we, we were at least a quarter mile away, maybe more. But you could, it was high enough where you saw the thing, and there they were. Boy, and they were big wow. from that distance. Those things are big boys. Uh, yeah, they are. And uh, they, they look. It was pretty interesting. I, I never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, those nests are huge. I saw some uh, out out west. Uh, and, and and you're right. I mean, you and I could probably sleep in them. They're, they're that huge. But I, I always thought those guys, you know, found like the a side of a cliff or something where. I, never, I mean, it looks like you know, a tree's going to move. How do, you, how do you keep the nest from falling? They must have a way of somehow tying the thing into the thing or something. I don't know. I mean, it's a. Engineering. Yeah, they're, they're, they're they have their engineering. <laughs> so, uh, what do you what do you make of? Uh, we've got 
you know, there's the stuff going on with the market. We've got the magnificent seven stocks that are going up. Um, we've got other stocks that maybe aren't so much going up, although they're starting to participate a little bit in the last week or two. Everybody's back to the, uh, not everybody, a lot of people are back to the, if the Fed has to, they'll pour more money in to save the market. Um, it, I mean, and, you know, and by the way, if you have that mentality, you've done very well because it does, it's, mm-hmm. gone, you know, it's gone very well, clearly up since the, the lows of uh, pushing a year ago. Um, we have, we seem like we're trying to reopen this thing with China somehow and we're ignoring all the bad stuff they're doing and the fact that they <laughs> seem to want to knock us off. Uh, I don't, what is your feel of that whole mess? All, the, all these, I mean, what is Bill Gates doing in China? I mean, what, what is, what are these people trying to accomplish? Are they, are they making policy? And then what are they doing? And, and Blinken's over there. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I think I Blinken is over there for political reasons, trying to soothe things, calm things down between the U.S. and China. Uh, and he's the highest ranking official after Biden to be in China in quite some time. So I think, you know, he is, and he was able to meet with Xi. So I think that that's, you know, that's um, trying to calm the waters a little bit uh, and make both sides realize that they really can't get into a self-destructive uh, battle with each other, uh, particularly with what's going on in other parts of the world, like Ukraine and the, and the dangers there. Um. How do we have a a whole weekend when we're concerned about um, slavery, slavery and notification of? Well, I don't. I, mean, I don't. I don't see how. Uh, did, it, did, it, did any did any slave get freed at all? Uh, where the Union wasn't occupying an area and the Emancipation Proclamation was there? No. I mean, I mean, okay. So yeah, it took a long time afterward. And, uh, it took a long time. It, it didn't. It didn't happen until after Appomattox, when Lee surrendered the the Southern Army, the Confederate Army, to Grant at Appomattox, and that and that's when freedom to the slaves actually happened in many parts of the South. The Emancipation Proclamation um, you know, said any slaves that are in Confederate states are freed, but as a practical effect, that had no effect. <laughs> yeah, they, they were an enemy. I think the areas right. where the the Union had control, they were freed. Um, yeah, they were so at that I'm, point. But we, where you really wanted the freedom for and anti-slavery movements was uh, in the southern states, which the Emancipation had, had proclamation had absolutely no uh, no effective law because they weren't part of the United States in their mind. Well, everybody, I think, I mean, I can't think of anybody. Uh, I hope there isn't anybody who doesn't think that. Uh, Slavery in this country was like a really bad idea, and uh, how it gotten how it wasn't written out of the Constitution, I I don't know, but it but it wasn't. Well, I guess I do know the politics of the South, um, and yet as long as we can make a buck, it's okay for the Chinese to enslave people. We're going to deal with them. Um, well, there is a difference, and that is that uh, slavery in the United States was still part of the United States, uh, and China is a completely foreign government. Sovereign unto itself, and a long, long, long way away. Um, but yes, you know, the idea of having slavery anywhere is a bad. Thing. But you know, there are places in in the the Middle East which also have have slavery of sorts, indentured servitude, and um, you know we can't go in and change that. But I agree with you that you know the areas of China where where even you look at effectively child slavery for uh, the way that they 
uh, you may have children working in sweatshops for building Nikes and things like that. Well, there's a there's a difference between us that dropping nuclear bombs on the place to, to get rid of their slavery <coughs> policy. There's quite another to bring a, country, a company over there to get cheaper labor and then selling the stuff here and competing with people in this country. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you. Do, I mean, I just I always I always wonder. Um, you know, if you I've said this a million times, unfortunately, but is if is if uh, somebody else would have taken control of uh, Hitler in '39, and he would have pushed off the his his antics, his invasions and stuff for another seven years, how much we'd mm-hmm. have been dying to trade with the guy? Yeah, yeah, and you know you'll get horrific actions. The appeasement is the appeasement of Hitler in the in the '30s was a large reason why so many Jews were, were killed during World War II, because had he been stopped in 1938, 1939, 1940, um, he wouldn't have been able to kill as many Jews or wreak havoc on Europe. Well, he, but I think he, the interesting part, he, he went to war, the more I read about this stuff, everything seems to be economic, uh, Brendan. I mean, he, he went to war way before he was militarily ready because they'd run out of dough and needed to essentially go steal stuff so they could keep it going. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way he could have done another two years of arms advancement uh, on their budget. Well, yeah, I, I do re- recognize that, but I think that the ultimate plans that he had were for the genocide of the Jewish people and total conquest of Europe, if not the world. Um, so when you look at the progression, yes, you could say that he did some things for Germany, like rebuilt the roads, rebuilt the military, all in, all because of what happened after World War One and the Weimar Republic years. But still, you know, I think his ultimate goal was world domination. Oh yeah, well, but he was not as patient as the Chinese are. Right, that's true. It, it's a different it's a different set of tactics, and it, it and they they are playing the long game. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty. I'll, I'll never forget this one thing. I was watching Brendan, and I, I don't know why I was watching, but it talked about why did the German people like Hitler so much? And uh, well, first of all, he was he was a massive showman. He 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 was better than Bill Clinton in terms of uh, you know going to see people in the hospital and sick and all kinds of stuff. And if there was a military accident, he was always there. I mean, he was an absolute master of it. He he was better than Obama or Clinton. It, and I, 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 I just I, couldn't, I saw some films. I'm going, God bless. That's Hitler. But uh, mm-hmm. one guy said if he if he'd have been assassinated three or four days before he invaded Poland, and they wouldn't have invaded Poland, that he would have been considered the best rulers of the 20th century. He brought those guys back from a. I mean, we're all the horrible stuff he did. On the financial cliff. Yeah. I mean, he, his the improvement in Germany was. They were in way worse shape when the depression started than we were, and yet they got brought out of it way faster than we were. Mm-hmm. Really, any other country. I really don't know how the hell he did that. I mean, I wish I knew more about it. I mean, uh, but somehow, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was the already putting people on a munitions front. I mean, we were actually, I mean, here, we were coming out of it some, because as soon as it started, we were selling a lot of stuff to France and Britain. We, I mean, our, the idea that we didn't weren't making a tank until after Pearl Harbor was absolutely not true. We were selling a lot of that stuff to people. Yeah, but we were really pretty far behind. And even though the manufacturing was was ramping up a little bit in the late 30s, Roosevelt had a very difficult time with munitions uh, production. Right. 
until after Pearl Harbor. And but he was getting a lot of, of black from primarily the Republican in Congress and the you know people like Charles Lindbergh, yeah, uh, who led the America First, uh, the first America First, the first America uh, First, theory, yeah, um, you know, to stay out of the war in Europe, and um, uh, it really wasn't until the forties, and because we, we were, we were pretty flat-footed when Pearl Harbor ha- happened to us. But you know, I, I, I'm going to say not near as much as the, as the folklore. We already had George Marshall. From thirty-six on, it kind of weaned the officer corps. Officer corps is a German term. Made people retired. It shouldn't be there. He got rid of a lot of the peacetime generals, and we were we were designing stuff. We were learning a lot from the munitions we were making from people in Europe. Mm-hmm. We were not. You know, if you look at the time frame of the three and a half years, really, it was World War Two, I mean, which is really what a third of the time it took the two to burn interchange. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't like, oh my God, we better start making planes. They were all on the drawing board. They were all the battleships. They were, are, they were already been laid down. We had we had already aircraft carriers that were sort of started production. You know, it wasn't. We weren't absolutely starting from day one on Pearl Harbor. I mean, w- way less than people think. That's true. There, there were plans in the works. There were some things uh, in early stages, but the the manufacturing facilities weren't. Uh, transition into munitions plants the way that they were after that. I think and it was really a matter of self-defense. And even, lo- even looking at the difference between the European theater and the uh, Pacific theater, the Pacific theater didn't take a lot of munitions in the ways that they had in um, in Europe. Right. Uh, they were Marines who were pretty much cannon fodder going on to the beach. And But those small islands didn't have a lot of tanks and a lot of military right. support. They were mostly men. Uh, the Marines who were going island to island, shoal to shoal, as opposed to the way that they attacked in Europe with all the munitions and the tanks and the trucks and uh, like the D-Day invasion, and that didn't happen until uh, well, we went from, so it was over three years. We went from six aircraft carriers to about thirty, mm-hmm. which is you know sort of a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a but uh, matter of fact, I think my uncle Pullman was already making British tanks before the war. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the interesting part is, he, he goes, the, the Brits, they didn't want welded tanks. They wanted they were they were held together by rivets. Why was that? I don't know, but they had rivets. And he said the weird part is when the we started shooting at it, and they go they started going over uh, really rough ground, like in a battle. The rivets mm-hmm. w- rivets would pop, and the guys inside when a rivet pops, it's like a bullet because the guys and guys mm-hmm. the guys inside were getting shredded by the rivets popping. Oh. What a way to go! Well, yeah, we, no we, yeah, we won. We won the battle, but by the way, four of our guys in the tank are dead because of rivets. But wow! They, yeah, but they they were making them at Pullman, and I, I guess hmm. it, what what they what they do do it on the seaway or down the down the Mississippi? And I don't, or maybe I don't know. They wouldn't fit on a flat car, I don't think, would they? I don't think so. I, I don't think they would. So well, I guess it just, I guess the size depends on the size of the tank, like some of the. What are the smaller ones? The German tanks were fairly yeah. small, um, so they could have easily fit uh, on flatbeds at those times, flatbed rail cars. Yeah, probably. But, uh, they probably you know, did have to take them on barges down the Mississippi. What uh, we got a few minutes here, Brandon. What what do you make of the uh, the budget deal that just basically kicked it after the election, and mm-hmm. uh, and we're still borrowing, you know, whatever a million dollars every forty three seconds or whatever. 
uh, Greg timed it the one day on the debt clock. Where, why, why does everybody think that this is? I mean, I know if you if you get on TV and you say, "Oh man, this is we're all going to hell if this doesn't like stop tomorrow." Well, if, okay, we could have been saying that for 15 years. You know, you'd just be another goofball voice on TV predicting something that hasn't happened. But um, there is some sort of a where are these guys going to get the money if this interest rate keeps going? These interest rates keep going up. I mean. I mean, you see this inflation is not going away. Somewhere along the line, people are going to not want to give the government, uh, even at 3.5%, when they gave money at 1.5% for 10 years, you're, you're going to want your inflation at least in there. I mean, how are these guys going to pay, even if the interest rate gets to 6 $30 billion, what, what is that? That's uh, or 30, $31 trillion, is that, what, $180 billion a year? It's, like it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that deal just really just pushed things down the road a little bit. And now you're seeing some of the the after effects where some of the conservative Republicans are saying, where, you know, the, the numbers we agreed to was a cap. It wasn't what we agreed to in reduction of spending, forcing the potential for uh, a government shutdown in October of this year when the budget comes up. Um, so, you know, how much of it was posturing a few weeks ago when they hit when they approved the debt ceiling? How much of it is just uh, trying to uh, to posture for October and uh, into next year? And what you know, what are the effects of it? Is there going to be a government shutdown? Is there going to be another negative effect on U.S. credit uh, worldwide if uh, if things aren't addressed properly? And I agree with you that we can't keep going with with the amounts of money that have been spent without uh, other revenue sources. You either have to cut spending or increase revenues at this point. And uh, at some point, it's going to be pretty draconian. Well, what do you, what do you, why, uh, why would it, what would anybody other than you and I doing the show and other people around here? Because obviously, we, we uh, look at the numbers. We care about this for various reasons. I mean, one because you were involved in municipal finance and realized that somewhere one of these days you had to balance stuff a little bit. And obviously, I'm looking at this stuff because I'm looking at what, how it's going to affect the market and my clients. Um, does anybody really care? I mean, it, it hasn't. You know, does anybody care that there's a, there, there's a cliff down the down this path and we haven't reached the cliff yet? I mean, I, I think that this, for the the conservative Republicans, or if, if they were in office, it'd be the Democrats bitching about tax, you know, something. The fact is, until there's a crisis, nobody cares. Does that I mean? Well, that's right. I don't see how you get any votes with that. I know I wouldn't get a vote. <laughs> People say, well, well, why do we want to listen to this guy? All he does is say, we're running out of dough, and I just want my check. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, it, it, it's just not news, or it's not something anybody cares about until something well, really right. bad happens. And I don't know how we got into that mentality, but we sure are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why make a deal now when the when, – it's like Robin Mann used to say, never let a good crisis go to waste. You have to wait, and and you know that was really one of the pressure points for the debt ceiling negotiations. That because of the debt ceiling having to be raised, uh, it was used as uh, as a lever to to get concessions on spending to reduce to keep spending at the previous year's levels. Um, but that was surely crisis politics, and it won't happen again. And all all the posturing and talking back and forth won't really mean anything until we get to August or September and of course Congress is gone the whole month of August so it comes back into September when they have limited meeting sessions to pass a debt, uh, pass a, a new budget bill. Well the, I have a piece of paper somewhere in my cleaned up office uh, where somebody did somebody did a big survey however you can do a survey so I'm couching this with every you know, what ifs and of the 
the, the incredible results of the survey was that they want the people want the government to have a balanced budget, the usual, just like a household type, you know, the APS. Yet they don't want any cut in entitlements, they don't want any cut in defense, and they don't want taxes to go up. Yeah, easy. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, well, what does that leave? Like 5% of the public budget or 10% or something? It can't leave very much, does it? No. I mean, I don't. No, it doesn't. But but the numbers are so big. How, do, how does anybody, how do even you and I even, I mean, what, what is, how do you how do you cut out they're a trillion dollars? They're incomprehensible. I agree with you. They're, they're incomprehensible. I mean, the, the idea of $31 trillion, uh, just thinking about that number, it, 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 you know, it's like, was it Paul Douglas who said, you know, you're talking about a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon you're talking about real money? Yeah. Uh, I think it was Everett Dirksen. And, uh, you're right, it was Dirksen. Um, and, you know, the numbers become meaningless. It's almost like monopoly money at a certain time that, you you know, you forget the transitions uh, from millions to billions to trillions, uh, and it just keeps growing. And it's, it, it's, you know, it, it's like the pension bills, uh, pension payments in Illinois. It's not just uh, holding them where they are right now, but it's stopping them from growing progressively, and that the U.S. government is in the same way with their debt. Um, and, and you know, as interest keeps rising, the debt service keeps growing, and pretty soon the debt service will outweigh the principal of the loan that has to be repaid, and that's just not sustainable. But I don't know if we have a, a minute here or not, but we, what do you make of? I mean, I have a couple of conservative friends of the three-day weekend. I uh, had the pleasure of dealing with. Um, but the uh, probably last question, and what do you make of the the idea that we're, we're the, the press is t- is totally manipulated? I mean, I, I know this is more than a one a, a one second uh, answer, but I was listening to BBM yesterday driving around, and all he did was talk about how much better off everybody is that gas prices are down from a year ago, yet they're up twenty twenty five cents in the last week. That, that's not even reported. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, are, are we, I mean, it's the whole thing about this, these numbers coming down. Everywhere I go, the numbers are still going up. I was at a couple of restaurants this weekend, and the places were empty. And mm-hmm. I problem of it has to be the weekend, but I look at the menus, and I'm going, man, in the last two years, these are up 25 30%. I mean, it is, I, mean I, I can't get my fingers around it. I mean, uh, Carl talked on Friday how he went to, back in Florida, he went to his favorite steak place, and across the street, he used to be able to park for a buck, then it was two bucks, now it's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, look at look at the cost if you order food out and have it delivered to your house. The cost of that is getting pretty. You know, you, you order hamburger and fries or 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 something like that that used to be you know, pretty inexpensive, and it's like going to Chicago Cut or some other yeah, prime yeah. steakhouse right now, just for the delivery service for you know a burger and fries or something like that. Well, that's why you're supposed to have your electric vehicle or something. <laughs> All right, but take care of yourself. We're we going to see you. Uh, I'll try to make it down in a couple of weeks. You sound pretty good. Sounds like you're feeling Thank good. You. I hope you are. Uh, SP Futures down 16, NASDAQ Futures down 58. Be right back, Joel and Con. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rock Face, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 16, NASDAQ Futures down 57. It's actually up a little bit from when we came in. I'm sure there'll be some, not sure, but I suspect there'll be some buy to dip stuff here because there is kind of all time. VIX is up a little bit, uh, 1441, which is still low, but it's up a little bit from what it was on last week. Uh, Dow Futures down 116. I don't really see any. Well, we got Caterpillar down 227. We got American Express down buck 96. So that's what's taking the uh, Dow down, Nike down 222. So. A little bit, little bit of ne- negativity today so far. Over in Europe, we've got uh, DAX down 81.5%, FTSE up 5, call that flat. Check around down 15, uh, it's down 2%, 0.2%. I, uh, I don't think that that's much of a sell-off considering how up those guys have been. Nikkei up 18, call that flat. Hang Seng down 305, 1.5%. They're up like 2% on Friday, so I mean, it's... Uh, these guys up, down, up, down. They're back under 20,000, 19,607. Shanghai down 15. Uh, that's 0.5%. As China has, has dropped uh, some of their interest rates. They're trying to get their economy going over this. So they're, they're dropping interest rates. And everybody else is raising theirs. On Friday, Dow was down 108. S&P down 16. NASDAQ down 93. But still was a, a big up week. Uh, bonds unchanged 3.76 at the 10-year rate. One minus uh, six basis points, 2.45. Japan unchanged at 0.39, but that's lower than the 0.43 it's been for quite a while. Oil, 71.75, which makes you wonder why gas prices are up 25 cents since oil is not going anywhere. A Brent down up 70 cents, 76.79. Natural gas up 5 cents, 2.68. Arbob down 2 cents, 2.65. So, uh, Maddie, everywhere you go, unless you go someplace in the burbs, Arbob is now two dollars below what we're paying here, which is which is a lot. Uh, gold. Down 750, 1963. It still says mired in this 1965 plus or minus 15 number. So we're down 27 cents, 23.85. Uh, copper down a penny, 3.87. We got Bitcoin uh, actually up today, up 152, 26,798. A little bit of a bounce. And we have the U.S. dollar, uh, pretty much. Well, it's unchanged against the euro, and uh, the pound, it's a little stronger against the pound. Pounds down to 1.275. Uh, Maddie, we have for us Trevi Weather Sports. A lot of sports, three days. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a good start here on a Tuesday morning. No accidents to speak of on any of the area expressways uh, as traffic starts to build, as folks head back to work today. We do have one crash off the expressways. That's at Madison and Cicero in the city. That crash came in a few hours ago overnight, and it's uh, considered an accident with injuries. So crews are on the scene conducting an investigation there. But everything else looking okay. Weather today, another beautiful uh Late June, almost summer day. Sunshine with a high of 75. Right now it's crystal clear and 64 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny and hot with a high of 103 today. Right now it's clear and 83. In sports, Cubs have won 9 of their last 11, blowing out the Pirates last night in Pittsburgh 8-0. Sox lost to the Rangers 5-2. The White Sox have dropped 7 of their last 9. And the D-backs continue to win. They beat up on the Brewers last night in Milwaukee 9-1. 
and those D-backs uh, remain in first place in the NL West as we take a Tuesday morning look at the MLB standings. 44-29 and 29 is Arizona. Man, did they sign a whole bunch of people or what happened? They were horrible last year. Yeah, I, I don't actually know if they signed up. I'm sure they signed a handful, but I think they had a lot of young guys last year that are coming into their own. Uh, but they're 44-29, and 29, three and a half up on San Francisco, leading the NL West. The Cubs are... Uh, Quietly back in the NL Central race, uh, 34 and 38 after winning nine of 11, uh, and just three and a half back of first place Cincinnati. White Sox are struggling, 31 and 43, uh, fourth place in the AL Central, five and a half back of the first place Twins. Chief, the uh, do we have Joel? Sure do. Good hey, morning, hey, Chief. Hey, Joel, how are you, buddy? Good. So I got a, I got a little apology for you guys. What did you do? Well, uh, last week. After uh, I signed off, well, I thought I signed off. Um, I went to go into the stream yard for my show, and I put my headsets on, and I thought I was going in. And I hear these people talking, and I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" And then I realized <laughs> I never signed out of the Zoom, and I was back on your show. Do you remember that? I remember you saying something, and we thought maybe you're coming back with a, a, no, with a cogent no. comment. You're going to tell <laughs> no, buy or sell. No, 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 no. So I just wanted to apologize, Chief. How you doing? I'm uh, doing good. A, a long weekend. Uh, uh, not sure if you're a dad or not, but uh, nice long weekend. Yep. And here we are on a Tuesday. Yeah, my uh, I get a I get a text. Well, I was kind of bugging him. I wish Kevin happy uh, Father's Day, and he was his daughter had bought him tickets to the Cub game on Sunday. Oh, but, nice! But he's nice. But I get the text from him, man. He like, it's like eleven. It's like eleven thirty, and I'm thinking, how's he already doing at the game? Because he's, he came from South, well, not from South Bend. He came from well, right near South Bend, in Michigan. And I'm thinking, what is he? One of these guys that you know, has to be. He's getting old. Where he's got to be there two hours before the game. So of course I, I go out, take the pooch for a walk, and I come in and I sit my ass in front of the TV, turn the game on, and I'm like, where's the game? It's one of those uh, Prime Plus things. Oh. So yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so I can't watch it. How many, how many times can you sell the same game? I mean, I'm, I'm paying for the marquee. So Kevin texts me and he goes, the entire place showed up at 1 o'clock. They didn't know it was a 12 o'clock game. And it's, and it's not on TV. He goes, talk about pissing everybody off. <laughs> I mean, he goes, the amount of people that, that, I don't know if you notice, he goes, the amount of people that must have thought it, they didn't know it was a 12 o'clock start. They wander in at you know 10 to 1 like they normally would, and if it's the third inning. Wow. I've uh, I've never heard of that. Well, I mean, how I never why would you why would you think the game was well? I guess you could check the paper, but normally it's a Sunday game is what one ten. Usually it's one twenty. Yeah. Um, but there's been noon games before on Saturdays or Sundays, and then there's the occasional Saturday you know six thirty game. Yeah. There's the occasional Friday three o'clock game as opposed to the one twenty. Well, I, I mean, you got to check these things. He said they well, I, but I mean, I don't. How many April th- and May the night games are at six forty, and then beginning June first they go to seven o five. I just, I mean, I don't want to have a long discussion about it, but this whole idea that every time there's a new TV show or whatever you want to call them, a new show, you got to you got to get a new network. You would think that when you're paying basically out the ass for cable with 200 stations on the damn thing, that somehow these guys could figure out a way to to be on the cable or something. I mean, I, I mean, how many do you need now if you want to watch all these new shows? Like five other places. Well, Apple TV bought a package of games from Major League Baseball. Uh, Amazon Prime uh, might have bought a package of games from from Major League Baseball. It's not. It's not Amazon Prime. It's the other guys. Prime. Uh, is it NBC? Something Prime. 
It's, it's not Amazon. I don't think. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I just know that a handful of services have bought uh, a, you know, a package of games from Major League Baseball, and MLB's happy to sell them. Well, I, my, I guess the question, I have, we're not going to answer this any kind of definitively, but do you think if you pay up for, say, the, the marquee package, which essentially That's is... That's out the, of the Cubs' hands, though. The MLB gets a, hand, gets a certain number of national games. And they can do what, with those games what they want. So they'll do some Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. They do some. They sold some to Apple TV. They sold some to some other I, places. I think these are in addition too because they still got the Saturday. And, what are they, what are, and they sold some to Fox. Well, is, doesn't Fox have somebody's got Saturday and somebody's got Monday, right? Yeah, I mean, I think even TBS might have some. But my point is, is that they're allocated a certain number of national TV broadcasts that they can do with what they want. And it's outside of marquee. But, but those are not. Those those games do not detract from you getting the Cubs that day. These do. The difference. Those those the Apple TV absolutely does. I'm, it's I'm, it's not are, on marquee. I'm saying ESPN f- it absolutely does. It's not on marquee. Fox it absolutely but, does. But, it's but not it, on marquee. But it's on. It's on those channels. Right, but I mean it's it's available. If yes, if you have those channels. If you don't, then it's not available. But, but I'm saying, but but nobody who, who gets marquee through a cable system doesn't get Fox. Right, but you might not. I mean, if you get marquee, uh, yeah, you, you Apple TV would be out of scope for you. Right, and and hey, maybe do you guys, maybe do you guys want to continue this debate after no. I'm done? Yeah, no, no, no. You were the one that was talking about sports. Go to your room. <laughs> what's, Go to uh, your room. All right, what's going on with the market? We you are, guys are best behaving. You yeah. guys are misbehaving. Huh? We are. We are. <laughs> Timeouts. All right, I'm just saying. So what, okay, no, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I'll just give you one quick thing because you guys spent. 10 minutes talking about, I don't know yeah, what. Yeah, I'm sorry about um, that. Uh, expiration turn, you know? How often have you seen that over the years, Chief? You have the quad wedge, you finish at a market extreme, and then you eat, you know, you get a couple days of consolidation, yep. and you maybe bust out, keep going, 4,500, 4,600, 4,700, 4,800, 5,000, 6,000, or, you know, you get a little turn here. Uh, we had a five-day win streak, uh, broke that win streak on Friday. Tech's been the leader. It's a little bit weak today. So just trying to determine whether there's an expiration turn. We don't have much going on. We just have some Fed heads speaking uh, this week. Joel, what the earnings. That's what, about it. When, when you get your, you're saying about an expiration turn, when there's literally an expiration every day in, in the spiders and in uh, the queues, mm-hmm. how, how much cachet does the expiration, the real one, carry these days to an old guy like me more me, me too me too but uh yeah but yeah. it's not, it's not like once every three months like it used to be i mean it's definitely uh, yeah you're, you're right you're right on that but it's still you know because of the rebalancing yep. uh you know coming to the end of the you know also coinciding with coming to the end of the quarter uh, you know, to me, that's uh, that 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 adds significant to it. So uh, that high of the move was made um, on Friday, or excuse me, on Thursday at seventy-one and a quarter. So uh, you know, we little bit weak overnight. Um, you know, how often do you see the weakness on the uh, extended weekend? So that's what I'm looking at. Not so much that daily high on Thursday or Friday, but uh, can the bulls press it over 44 71 and a quarter early in the week if not i'm looking for a little bit of a correction i want to um what's happening in china you get like two seconds is it good bad affecting not gonna affect it seems like they're struggling but they're lowering interest rates yeah i mean 
we we've been able to rally without him, right? Yeah. So we'll see if that can continue. Uh, I'm not really sure to make of all the politics that went on over the weekend. You know, that Blinken was over there, but he said, okay, you can invade Taiwan if you read some things. Uh, and the other, you know, so as long as they stay out of Taiwan, I think yeah. we're okay to the upside. So I got to hop. All right, Go buddy, Blue. you take care. Talk to you guys next week. Uh, going right to Mr. Kenny. Kenny, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I was fighting with Mr. Weber because I love talking to him. I only get to talk to him one day a week, so we were fighting about sports during poor Joel's time, which we shouldn't have been, but we were. <laughs> What do you what do you what do you make of uh, you know the, we had the big week we we're down a little bit this morning but certainly not down enough where we can't come right back through it if we want to go bullish here, uh, right? I, right. But I've been saying this and look, we're coming into the quarter end, right? We got we got this week and next week, so there's going to be lots of kind of reallocation as asset managers try to dress up and window dress their portfolios uh, going into the beginning of the third quarter. So expect lots of that. But look, I do suspect that the market's going to back off. It's gone straight up. And look at the NASDAQ. Look at the S&P. They've really gone uh, almost uh, almost parabolic straight up. They're 7 and 12 and 14% away from the trend line. So there has to be some reversion to the mean. Doesn't mean it's going to be a crash, but I wouldn't be surprised to see us come back and test lower. And I actually think, I'm hoping we do actually, because it'll take some of the fluff out of the market. It'll shake the branch a little bit and get some of the, the, the weaker you know, the, the weaker investors to panic and then, you know, hit the sell button, uh, which is what I always like to see because I like to take advantage of that, right? Well, what, uh, we've got but, some of these guys, I was, doing, get that. I was doing some PE and some revenue numbers last week, and, uh, you know, I watch this, I haven't seen anything, well, there's been a bunch like this, but this Adobe, does everybody think these guys, like, own AI now or something? Did they have anything to do with AI, or they just all of a sudden got caught in it? They're up, like, 100 bucks. They're up to, like, I mean, I'm just the the PEs of these places. Even Microsoft is pushing 36 now. Uh, some of these guys are Nvidia's, you know, 10 times revenue. These right. these numbers are getting pretty stratos, you know, at, uh, stratospheric, shall we say? I mean, I, and they are. And so, what I think is going to happen as we as the as the market, you know, kind of returns, does a reversal to the mean, is you're going to see the money coming out of asset managers are going to take money out of those sectors that have that are stretched. All the ones you name. Um, and then reallocated to uh, sectors that are performing. And you started to see that last week, right? You started to see it in industrials and in financials, basic materials. Small and mid-cap are up 10% the last two weeks. Uh, those have been two groups that have been really flat, underperforming on the year. Suddenly, they're finding interest in bids as asset managers you know, try to reallocate their portfolio based on uh, now a softer landing, not a soft, just maybe not as hard, or at least that's what they're betting is not going to be as hard as originally thought, right? The recession remains, yeah. the labor market remains strong. Um, and so maybe people are, are saying, you know, maybe, maybe they meant, maybe the Fed did navigate a softer landing. And so therefore we should start really. So I think that's what you're going to see. And I think you're going to see more of that today. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I honestly, Kenny, you know, I, I, I try and, well, I dig into these numbers and I've become a, almost a total disbeliever of anything these guys put out these days. And I, I shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way, I know, because maybe it's always been something like that. But I, I, uh, I can't figure out whether we're, we're going forward or backward here. Because they, well, the, uh, especially since the, the Fed put so much money in the, t- the two weeks around the, uh, whatever bank it was out there, Silicon Valley, they put so much money in. It's almost like if you, if you do the, you know, the, the two or three month lag time, 
this big push in the market the last couple of weeks could be all that. And now they're now they're pulling some of that back out gradually. Right. So they're almost they've almost pulled all of that back out. Now, is that what we're going to be dealing with the next three months? The, the the supply going back down. I mean, is it constantly going to be driven by them? And I you know I, I can't I can't put my hand on, on whether this is good or bad. I, I mean I I, would, I mean I see the labor market uh, doing some stuff. I see the inflation coming back pretty dramatically since they put this money in now whether that'll go away again you know, I, I well, know. Uh, and you and i talked about that i actually think we're going to see inflation you know uh tickets tick lift its head up again maybe not shoot right back up to nine percent but i don't think it's gonna uh, i do think that we're going to see it you know reverse course and start to move higher and i think that's what the fed sees as well and i think that's why jay powell was very clear that look we're skipping now but don't think we're cutting or don't think we're halting because we're not we expect uh more more hikes remember that had an s on it it was plural is it two hikes is it three hikes is six percent really the terminal number because that would suggest three more hikes um, and that's the number that, you know, uh, Loretta Mester and Jimmy Bullard and Neil Kashkari, they've been pushing that now for months. Loretta Mester was the first one to, you know, put, to peel back the onion and say that, you know, six months ago that she thought 6% was probably the terminal rate. And it's interesting now that, you know, we're, that's kind of what Jay Powell intimated. And guess what? He's going to talk on Capitol Hill this week for his, you know, the second half of his semi-annual Humphrey Hawkins testimony in front of the Senate and the House uh, Finance and Banking Committees. And so there's going to be lots of speculation about what he says, how he says it. What did he really mean? Did he say this or did he mean that? And that's going to be kind of the, 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 the news that drives the action this week. It's going to be the interpretation on what Jay Powell says this week in, on Capitol Hill. Well, what do you think? I mean, the inflation that I'm seeing in the last several weeks, only because I pay a lot of bills here with Stocks and Jackson, the stuff that takes forever to get through the system, your, yeah. phone, your phone bills, your gas bills, electric bills, that you actually got to run through your yeah. state legislature, those are, are, are just, I want you to just starting. But the the big increases have kind of just just begun. I mean, I, I was doing some tax work a couple of weeks ago, and I, I paid an $80 phone bill for Stocks and Jackson in uh, October, this month right. it's, 100, it's 130. Yep. And we're talking 50% increases. Uh, uh, well, and that's exactly the point. Look at your utility bill, right? Like I said this a couple of months ago, FPL, Florida Power and Light, raised rates by 18%. My bill went up by 40% on the back of that 18% rate increase, right? I, I Where I thought it was a mistake, and I called up and I go, wait, 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 what just happened to my bill? Well, you know, rates went up. I go, and my bill went up 40%, but that's the stuff that uh, is going to be sticky. That's the stuff that's not going to go right back down. Even though natural gas, by the way, has plummeted, right? Yeah, so doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Less money yeah. to produce the get. The prices are elevated now, and that's where they're going to stay. And then it's just going to become the norm. Now suddenly we're all going to get used to those prices. Because, oh, you know, it's normal. It's not normal. But I, what, I, what I heard from uh, Paul, and please feel free to, I don't have to tell you to feel free to disagree because that's, that's why you, I love you. Uh, he basically told me last week that they're okay with the current price level. They're not going to try. They're going to fight any inflation going forward. In other words, they don't want they don't want it going forward at five percent from today, even though right. some of it's in the system. Correct. But they're not they're not going to attack the thirty five percent bubble of the last three years. They're not going to try and drive car prices back down from fifty to thirty five. They're not. That's exactly right. So they're going to stay elevated at these levels, and suddenly that's just going to become the norm. You're going to say, "Oh, the car costs fifty grand." Like it's like, like, just like uh, you got a nose on your face. You know what I mean? It's just going to be the norm. But I don't see. 
I just, I mean, I, I would really hope that all of us, our income would, over the next few years, rise to to cover the gap. Well, I've said that. But I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, Ken, I don't know if, I don't know, we, I drive around sometimes during the day, uh, play, see clients and stuff, and listen to, once in a while on the radio, I don't dig into this stuff, but they'll they'll talk about some uh, union settlement, you know, it'll be a strike and this thing and everything. Kenny, Unless there's, I don't think they even know what a cola clause is. But these unions, they're talking about was the uh, firemen or the, was the firemen somewhere, it's somewhere yep. in Chicago, and they, they haven't they haven't had a raise. They've been fighting about their contract for I'm thinking three years, man. It, it was this yep. Prospect or something, one of these places. They're going to give everybody a two percent bonus, essentially, yep. and over the next four years, they're going to go up fifteen percent. I'm thinking, okay, right. so that's two percent plus fifteen. For seven years, you just yep. you, you just put these guys in a recession, if not depression. What kind of what kind of contract is that compared to what's uh, going? Well, it's that, and you saw that over the weekend. I think it was over the weekend the headline about you know Joey uh, Joe Biden, you know, negotiating with the big unions are going to pay. Just to your point, going to pay them more money. The pilots union they want more money. Everyone wants more money. That's only going to continue to drive wages pressure on wages is going to be up and that's going to continue to feed into the inflation story but they, but they don't, nobody's getting anywhere near even uh, agree even number agree. wages are not keeping up with the with the pace of inflation in fact in fact they said last i think it was last month where they said oh wages are coming in a little bit well that's great because inflation is still 5.3 percent yeah. so how great is that, that wages are coming in yet inflation is 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 higher than than the rate of growth for wages so yes it's like you're in a negative territory well, I, I mean, I'd somehow, I don't know how we we continue to, to think that w- with that happening, we can constantly go back to the masses and raise the property taxes, raise this, raise that. I mean, the, the gas tax in Illinois is up to like ninety-two cents. Right. I mean, it's, I mean it, it, why, why do they keep thinking that people have all this extra dough? I mean, I, uh, you know, one of the ladies uh, comes on, uh, Nancy, who's a mortgage lady, knows more about people's income than. First of all, I'm never going to ask her. Uh, <laughs> either, either, either per, in person or on the air, but she's talking about people are doing the uh, both cu- both parts that a couple are working, and one of the two who happens to be a CPA is doing taxes on Saturday and Sunday for three months. So it's and, almost like you're getting two and a half jobs out of a family where it used to be one. Listen, I, I, there are some families where where people are working four jobs, right? Yeah. The husband's got, two, the wife's got two. Uh, it's crazy, right? What people are trying to do to to stay ahead or to keep up or to maintain their quality of life. But yes, I agree with you. At what point does that stop? And and are you ever going back to a single, you know, single earner household the way, you know, it was when our parents, when I was growing up as a kid, you know, my father wasn't working. My mother was home, right? Taking care of the family. I don't think, I think we've lost that. Well, I don't think there's any, there was a, um, the interest, there was a, a dude at, well, well, stupid Pullman story. One of the the plant managers who people thought you know f- for years was the best guy, he was absolutely convinced that you were supposed to come, you're supposed to work your ass off for eight hours, and you're supposed to go right. home to your family. And he'd come yeah. in on a Saturday, and he'd go up and he'd say, "Mr. Polcari, I see you're here on a Saturday." Uh, yes, I am, sir. Uh, well, one only two reasons why you're here. One is you don't know what you're doing, or two, you don't have enough help. Which is it? Right. Right. <laughs> the whole idea is eight hours is enough. Right. You know, right. I, but now it's you're constantly between your phone and your email, and I mean, they got people working you know around the clock. I mean, it's not the same as as pumping out you know welding or stamping dies for for eight hours. I mean, you're not working that hard, but still, mentally, it's it's a drain. 
mean, I, the idea of I mean, the idea of having to have a family and work all week and drive an Uber on Sunday just to just to pay the mortgage. God, Kenny, it's that's tough. Listen, I hear you, and that was the, you know it's funny that you say that because I had to take an Uber last uh, last week, and like, I was talking to the guy. And uh, it was in the afternoon, and I said to him, you know, did you just come on, or did you, are you working all night, or have you been driving all day? Just trying to have a conversation with the guy. He said, listen, I'm just trying to make an extra $200. That's all I'm trying to do. Once I do that, then I'm going to stop driving. Well, an extra $200 driving an Uber, you could drive for 12 hours. Well, the question you know? is, are you taking $200 out of the height of your car, or even are you even getting anywhere? Right, exactly right. But exactly. actually, the last Uber... I've been I've been searching for the perfect truck, Kenny. Boy, oh boy, a I can't find one, and b they're expensive. So mine's been in the shop a little bit. So I t- last Uber I took was the guy. The hell did the guy say? He's he's, he's got like a, he's an engineer or something. And there's two days yeah. off. He yeah. he does Uber yeah. like in the morning before he goes to work. He tries to catch a couple rides. I'm going, man, oh yeah. man, an engineer used to be able to be okay. Or something. Yeah. And I, you know what's really funny is that the guy was driving a Kia. EV, right? Which was which was a beautiful car, it's a spacious car on the inside, but it was an electric vehicle. And I said to the guy, he goes, "Oh, you know, this is the greatest thing. It's already paid for itself." He said, "Because it only cost me about eighteen dollars to charge it, because you know you're going to go pay at the charging station when you when you when you fill it up or when you charge it, right?" But he said, "The only problem is I don't have a, a charger at my house. I have to go to Whole Foods. I got to park my car. I got to charge it at Whole Foods." So then I plug my car and I go into Whole Foods. I do food shopping and I come out. My car's charged. That's how I have to do it. That's how he charges his car. So every time he needs to charge it, he's got to go Whole Foods and and go shopping or just sit there and wait while the car charges. And I think to myself, this poor son of a bitch. I mean, yeah. what's he doing? Does he try to make an? Do you have any oh. idea? I mean, I, I I should know this. Do you have any idea if all of a sudden I got an electric car and I want to call my electrician buddy to get the thing in the garage? Yeah. What, what's what's the what's the what's the insult for that? I don't know because I don't have one, right? Because I don't have a. I live in a condo, so I don't have a garage, so it's not an option for me. I there's no place for me to put it. But uh, I, I'm afraid to ask what it costs to put that in. Can, can you can you get any charge at all out of like a 110 line? Even over takes a month. Well, I think it take I think it takes all night if you get it out of a 110 line, right? Well, can you I run? You to, can you run the uh, thing across your sidewalk and plug it in out in the street? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with an extension, with, with one of those extension cords. Wait, God, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I just, uh, I don't know. That. Anyway, Kenny, uh, what do you? We have uh, all kinds of interest, by the way, in this uh, little thing. Maybe in uh, September, October, in the oh, well, stock exchange. Well, so here's the deal: I could take, uh, I could take twenty five people. Well, we right? won't have, so, we probably won't have that many, but. Well, okay, but I'm just giving you. You know, twenty five is about the max because it because then it gets too crowded yeah. and. Uh, uh, so twenty five dollars max, but yeah, if you want to get it together, I'm happy to. I told you, I'm happy to do it with you. Let's just pick a date and do it, and then we'll go out to dinner in the city. Yep, and see what's going on in New York City these days. Well, we uh, we want kind of a smaller group because the group is twenty percent wants to see the New York Stock Exchange, eighty percent wants to see Kenny. <laughs> All right, great. Well, I told Perfect. him a couple of times we've had we've uh, had a breakfast together. I really really enjoyed myself, and then everybody. Well, I mean, I think uh, I think the world so you got so. So let me circle around with Maddie, and we'll organize it. We'll just pick a we'll pick a, a Thursday or something in September or whatever, and then we'll do it. Are you sending us the private jet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called. Uh, yeah, it'll be United. I think. I'll and, say. and don't don't send don't send the Lear. The ladies want a, a whole full regular washroom. They don't want the little the little potty potty in the Lear. We're not doing that. The ladies want. Well, we could do that, but the ladies aren't into it. Just saying. Yeah. So All send right. the Gulf Stream. SP futures only down twelve. Nasdaq futures down thirty eight. Who knows? These guys might be up by the time the show's over. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks.
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Welcome back to Tyson Jacks. I'm talking about man. We're on the board. S&P futures down 12. Nasdaq futures down 36. So we're creeping back up here. We have. NVIDIA, which has become kind of the heart of the market here, seemingly. It's up a dollar eighty-eight to a four twenty-eight. Before I, Hal, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, hey, before I, I get get accused only because it's true of, of firing off on Maddie and sports, because uh, Maddie and I we could talk sports for about six months, so we should I we should not have done it obviously when Joel was on. But hey, Maddie, did you happen to watch much of the U.S. U.S. Open? You know, I really didn't. I didn't either. I was going to – maybe hell. Uh, I've watched all the majors this year so far. Uh, well, I mean, there's been two, the Masters and uh, the PGA, and, and really enjoyed them. And for whatever reason, I always had something going on this weekend. I yeah, never got too. to watch it. I guess the, the simple question would be, I watched just enough of it where everybody was 10 under, 9 under par after two days, and everybody ended 10 or 9 under par. I didn't notice any obvious wind or anything. They, they just changed the, the pin. I mean, why – why was this course so much tougher the next two days? It didn't well, seem like the wind pin, picked it. I think it was the pin location. It was pin locations. they didn't water the grass at all, so the first couple of days it's kind of soft. But then by the by Sunday, those things were hard as a rock. Oh, okay, that was it. And, and and then you place the pins in really difficult positions, like on 
on uh, ridges of the green. Man, it's it's tough. Because I mean, I, I was surprised that everybody was ten under after two days. And then all of a sudden, the final score was ten under. I'm going, wait a minute. Like, well, I think changed. it also depends on when you teed off. Too, if you teed off in the morning, it was probably easier than yeah. than you did at night. And then the leaders on the weekend are teeing off at night. And out west, uh, especially in L.A., you get this uh, wind off the uh, you get this wind off the ocean at night. Yeah. And it happened to Slate baseball when I think they were like one or two a couple years ago. Uh, they were playing at night in UCLA, and the ball just would not carry. So I think it depends on when you teed off as well, too. Well, you know, they, there used to be a term, boy, I haven't heard it in ages, uh, re- referred to as, as kind of luck on the golf course, you know, where the, you teed off in the morning on a Thursday and there was no one and the guys... Oh, that, for that's it. big in the British yeah. Open, right? Yeah. Well, it happens here. Uh, I went to see, I had a client who really, God, he's one of these late bloomer golf guys. And uh, he didn't play golf till he was forty, and then all of a sudden he was. One day I was supposed to, we were supposed to take him golf as a big client, and I go, man, it's a, uh, it's like forty degrees, it's too cold. What do you mean? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> there literally was ice on some of the water holes. I'm like, what, what are we doing out here? Um, anyway, we well, that went, makes water hazard very easy. Yeah, happy, yeah, right? yeah. You, you bounce walk out on the water. Well, yeah, I went about the walk on it, but but we went out to see the uh, U.S. Open. It was at Olympia Fields. And, of course, we're, I was doing the show. It was Dr. Jane and I were doing the show. We are doing the show from, like, 5 to 6. And I said, okay, after the show, I'll go over to the club. I'll clean up and something. He's calling me quarter to 6 during the show. I go, we're doing the show. He goes, I'm, I'm waiting downstairs. I go, what, what are you do? Anyway, so we go out to Olympia Fields. We're there at 7 when these guys are teeing off. They tee off, like, you know, the first two days of the U.S. Open, man. They tee off at, like, 7, don't they, on Thursday, Friday? Because they get so many people before the cut. And you, one day... It's it's a perfect time to see everybody, you know, because if you stay in one, if you, if you be on one hole, you see everybody come by in the morning. You saw the guys in the afternoon come by, and you know you see everybody. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, the morning was drop dead gorgeous. A little dew on the ground, so everything's kind of wet, and these guys are they're smoking the ball. I mean, right, you know, putting it right near the hole and so forth. The afternoon it dries out. It had to be a thirty mile an hour wind. The difference in scores between the guys in the morning and the afternoon yeah. was like ten shots. It was it was really bizarre. But, but yeah. you know that, that that's known in, in golf as the rub of the green. That just happens. Just well, happens. Tiger used to talk about how the blade of the grass would change. Yeah. You know, it was it's, it's nuts. I mean, that's why I'm not a good golfer because or a, a good pool player because I put too many variables in play when I try to spin a pool ball or I play golf. I just I overthink it too much, and I think sometimes, like I was listening to the College World Series this weekend, they're talking about this batter. Who uh, and the announcers are great, uh, but there's a former pitcher and a former hitter uh, in the booth uh, with the commentator. Uh, but yeah, there's a there was a hitter in Major League Baseball where he hit this uh, ball, and every in the dugout's like, "Hey, what, what's what's the guy throwing?" I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, what ball was thrown? He just saw the ball in the this spin, is- and he had no idea what was going on. Well, I know that's good and... because he, he eliminated all those variables, right? He, maybe he's really tunnel vision. I don't know what happens, but he eliminates all those variables and he can just see ball hit bad. Well, that's uh, when it comes down to it, you you can't really think, I mean, really in any sport. I mean, you, yeah. it's got to be such instinctual at that point. But all right, what's we have uh, all kinds of stuff going on. We've got the Chinese, where uh, they what they they lowered their interest rates today in a couple areas, right, or yesterday. 
Uh, well, I think I think China is really starting to feel a recession come along. So that doesn't surprise me at all. What would, what would, what would you even call? Is there an economic term for the last three and a half years in China? I mean, how many people are dead? I mean, your population, I mean, I, anecdotally what you hear, listeners send me stuff that, what was it, man, how many phone numbers are, are no longer registered in China and how many, op- it's, you know, the amount of deaths some people are, are saying with the COVID is, you know, in the millions. Like, who knows? I mean, I, you know, but... Uh, Clearly, I don't, how, how do you start something like that back up? They got cities. I, I would actually, or? I would actually hypothesize that I think more people are dead from or disappeared. We we'll call it disappeared, are disappeared for their viewpoint and their um, protest of the government. I, I would think that would be more of an issue than I think COVID. Honestly, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've never, I've never been there. And even if you were, I mean, I don't, you don't get out of any major cities. It's, but how, how do you turn an economy back on like that? I mean, the, the people that. Even some of the U.S. factories must have closed because, you know, some people want people in Vietnam now and Thailand. They'd rather have them there. Than yeah, China. a lot of American companies are shifting their uh, supply chains. They were doing it, I think, during the pandemic and in the year or two after the pandemic. They're shifting their supply chains elsewhere, which I think is good. Um, but I, I think China's got real issues. I don't understand why people. I mean, I've been saying this for like ten years, but I don't. I don't understand why people are so. Uh, worried about China because China's clamping down. And I, I think I've said this on the show several times where Mao kind of locked in the, the current technology of the day and locked locked it down and it went through you know, decades of uh, poverty. Well, I think China's repeating that mistake. It's kind of locking people down in thought, uh, yeah. forcing them into conformity, and they're kind of locking in the system. And Meanwhile, the United States, which has what Google, uh, Apple, and uh, Microsoft. I think they're kind of like they got the biggest servers. They got the uh, they they probably have the best power deals. And electricity is going to power AI. You got to pour all kinds of energy into it. Meanwhile, China did what with Alibaba? Kind of like shuttered it, right? Yep. Clamped down on it. So I really I I don't see I I find. This China fear irrational because China's one child policy really flipped the script. I mean, we have a we have a baby boomer problem, but their baby boomer problem problem is much worse than ours. I, I'm thinking about 10, 15, 20 years, they're going to have to let people starve in China because they just don't have. Maybe, maybe they're hoping for, for uh, maybe they're hoping for uh, productivity increases uh, due to AI and whatnot, but. I, I see them having some serious troubles when that population that had one kid uh, enters, you know, the, the decade of their 70s and their 80s. I think they're going to have some real problems. So I'm not at all. I've never been worried about China. I always thought China was like doing exactly what the Japanese did in the 1980s. Well, the big com- uh, the big companies still you, you they're, they're not about to ignore that many people as customers. Yeah. I mean, there's a well, reason. China why- lost. China lost the title as the most populous country in the in the world. It's now India, right? And that one and that one child policy is probably going to result in the Chinese population dipping below uh, a billion, probably within 20, 30, 40 years, probably. You know, depending on how devastating that that policy was. But this this uh, in the last couple of months or the last couple of weeks, we not only have Blinken over there, we had Gates, we had Jamie Dimon. 
we had a, who were a couple other guys over there, man. It was a couple other uh, uh, big heads of big, you know, uh, was it was it Bezos? I'm not so sure it was him. I don't want to throw a name out that wasn't there, but there were a couple people that I'm that I'm forgetting here. They're all actually. I mean, what what are they doing? What's what's the message? Uh, I mean, what is and uh, the guys from uh, isn't the guys from BlackRock are always telling you to invest over there? What so they can sell it to you or what? I mean, I is, what I don't hear anything about the uh, dollar-denominated Chinese. I mean, two years ago, three years ago, uh, how we, we were talking about it on the air. There were articles regarding how many of those things were not uh, performing loans and the interest. And I haven't heard Boo and, and Dianginitas, who that's that's his life is is dealing with fixed income stuff. He goes, he can't find anything about him either. I mean, you it, know, well, the funny thing, the thing I think most about China is it's a Keynesian experiment of epic Keynesian experiments. You have the, these ghost cities. I, I read an article where. They rebuilt Paris in one of the provinces, and nobody really lives there. They have these, and a lot of people save in China because you know their the social security networks, their unemployment insurance, is basically nothing. So people save a lot in China, and people have been saving in condos in cities that nobody lives in. So I think they have. I mean, we had downtown San Diego, we had downtown Miami during the financial uh, crisis, the housing bubble burst. They have like cities that people have money in condos and so I'm not sure what they're doing there maybe, maybe they're trying to prop up China maybe maybe they like the control that the Chinese people have I mean Justin Trudeau cheers on the, the Chinese government system so may, maybe they want to prop up that system um, but to me yeah I, I, I think that the, the nation that's going to emerge as the power of this century is the one that has the least amount of corruption and has the freest system. That, that's who's going to be the top dog in this century. Who's that? And Who doesn't have any corruption? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the country with the least amount of corruption. Maybe it's the country with uh, the least restrictions on freedom. Um, so that's who I would put my money into. Well, you, have to, you, have to have, you have to have resources. I mean, that, yeah. that could be Britain, but how far can they go? It's an island. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know, I mean, the uh, I don't, I don't, I'm just kind of economically, I'm just sort of curious as to what. I mean, we've had uh, when Chris Manns used to be on the show, he'd been over in China a few times because he did some work with the agriculture department in China and actually brought some people here. And there was a big, uh, I don't know, what do you call it when your agricultural department, uh, U.S. not not PTIs, but the U.S. Agriculture Department has uh, things going with the Chinese Agriculture Department. It's not detente, but there's a, there's a word for it, cooperation. But, would come up, but he says that the stuff that happened here, you know, we talked about you know, this weekend, you know, the uh, Juneteenth, well, you know, part of the migration of a lot of people from the south up here was the Great Migration. Came up on the train, basically, to fill the factories here and leave the farms. Well, that's still, you talk about these cities, you know, that's still going on there, and it, and, it, and it somehow has stopped. I mean, what did what did, um, what did Chris say, Betty? The, the the family plot in, in China in some of these areas was an eighth of an acre. It was enough to have you know, uh, or half an acre or something like that. Were just enough to have a few animals and maybe a well, garden. Not- that would mean so the the amount of people that I mean they went from uh, well I'm going to say I mean I, I know the somewhat the. the 40 years ago or 100 years ago wasn't Chicago like one of the top 10 size 
cities in the world that are 100 years ago when we're with 3 million people. Now China's got how many cities that are way more than 3 or 4 million people? And yeah, if, people you look at, yeah. if you look at this graphic, it's produced by Python. It's on uh, Gapminder. It's r- really fascinating. It shows the, the population, the GDP per capita, uh, and I think life expectancy uh, over since the 1880s. And China and India have always had this massive population. So that one-eighth of an acre per family makes sense because if you go back to the time when there were a lot fewer people, the land was less, relatively less scarce. And when you, when you have to split, when you die and you have to split your land amongst your heirs, I, you know, I think that eventually means that you're going to have such small plots. And then what are you going to do? I mean, people living on these small plots they're at subsistence levels, and if they have a bad season, you know, there's going to be some starvation. So it makes sense that they, they pile into these cities. But you were saying that, that that's being reversed? People are leaving the cities? No, I mean, I guess they, oh. they anticipated the pace that that was happening, and that's why they built these places. And it's yeah. because of COVID and other reasons, it's slowed yeah. down. So they, so they got some extra cities. I mean, I mean how, yeah. how do you get us? I mean, it took Chicago... You know how many years to go from from something to or nothing to something? These these places, you know, you're talking about eight million people. Were you know fifty years ago there were two. I mean, you know, well, yeah, well, if you look at geography, if I think Thomas Soul writes about this, if you look at geography, I think the reason why Chicago and New York were such large cities hundred years ago is because they had these incredible geographic advantages. Oh yeah, right, and that's that's what why Europe. If you, Thomas Soul writes about this, but that's why Europe. Was the economic power because when the when the technology was sailing ships, uh, Europe's river system and natural harbor system uh, gave it an advantage over a place like Africa, which has very few natural relative to Europe. Uh, uh, European nations had this incredible advantage. It's one reason why England or Italy were and, and Portugal and Spain they had access to the oceans. But they have these incredible natural harbors and river systems. And that's why Chicago and New York, right? Because they have incredible river systems. Well, Chicago that, is a gateway that, between the Great that, Lakes and the Mississippi. It's, yeah. It, it yeah. could have been, could have been South trade. Bay. Yeah, it could have been South those Bay. Areas have, those areas have fewer trade barriers, physical trade barriers, and trade is the tide that lifts all boats. So whenever you can reduce trade barriers, you make all parties who engage in that trade uh, – better off. And so they had these natural advantages. Well, the idea of I mean, what trade does to people in terms of advancing politically, or not politically, economically and politically, to be honest with you, what, I mean, it, do you teach uh, some of the stuff you teach? Do you teach that kind of stuff about what, what really happens when, from a very basic level, that even even on a farm, if one guy's better at, at, uh, at oh, yeah. dealing with dairy cows, the other guy's better at doing corn, why don't you do the corn and I'll do the dairy cows? I mean, it's oh yeah, I do that stuff all the time. Base, it's a yeah. the people the people get it. Um, it, it the uh, when we go when we go through our three step model, what I do in my class is I, you know, assume that it's a very basic economy, where the two goods, one on the X, one on the Y, are very similar. They need the same resources, so that we make it simple. We have a, we draw a line of a production possibility frontier that's linear, because the resources behind each good are similar. And then we have two nations. We set up two nations. And then we show what trade is like when there are trade barriers. 
And then we get rid of the trade barriers, whether they're policy or physical, and we, uh, you know, we we end up in a situation where one country focuses on one thing and one country focuses on the other, and we look at how the nations have benefited. The nations outsource industries to an industry to the other, and vice versa, right? And then we then we in the third step, we incorporate the the actual exchange. And what that, what that exchange does, it pushes both countries beyond the production possibility frontiers. Right. So they're, they're at points beyond the production possibility frontiers. And that's why I say trade is the tide that lifts all boats. Well, I think it does, too. I, what, yeah. uh, we, I don't know if we can caught a little bit of the conversation we had with Kenny. Um, we have all these people, you know, we had the debt ceiling thing happen. We've got uh, the government calling out with how many how many billions of dollars because they couldn't do it for a few weeks are these, yeah. la- are these last uh, uh, auction, five auction, billion or something. yeah these auctions yeah. are incredible I mean we've been yeah. participating in them we're clients and so forth uh, and we're still for people uh, we're still I won't say recommending but uh, for guys that have some extra cash and are just a little leery of the market right here as a holding pattern I'm not talking about a life investment as a holding pattern three or six months at you know, over five percent is is not so horrible. Uh, better than it has been for a really long well, time. You know, it's, it's horrible for those banks like Silicon Valley Bank who have a bunch of ten-year bonds from three years ago or two years ago, right? Well, I mean, uh, I, I love it that the Treasury is that, that <laughs> people are bitching about it because they're they the same people bitching are the people who sold them to them, right? Yeah. <laughs> where where did where did you idiots buy these bonds? Well, from you. Uh, okay, <laughs> you know, I, it's hard to even. But we're talking about how to try and rein in some of this spending. How how abs- how absolutely unpopular that is. If that was your if that was your political party's view of the world, I mean, it, yeah. no, nobody nobody wants to do that, and, and everybody's convinced. The only because it hasn't happened, which is a le- certainly a legitimate reason that. We can just go on like this, and that you and I and a lot of the people on the show, uh, you know, keep saying, "Well, you, you can't just go on like this." There comes a point where you have a problem, and uh, but to be blunt, we haven't reached the point yet, and nobody believes us. You know, I mean, I mean well, and, and by the way, we, we don't like if, this. We don't want to see. We'd like to see these guys wake up, rather than we would like to see a crisis. So we don't even want it to happen. Yeah. Well, if you look at our banking system, our banking system, even though it's heavily regulated and controlled, uh, it's probably the most diverse uh, in the world in terms of we don't have uh, a few big huge corporate banks we have we have all kinds of uh, regional community banks throughout the United States right but but how many yeah. we're, we're the trend is clearly oh yeah towards it's the going fa- in the opposite direction toward the fascist right. system we're going to end up I mean, yeah. I mean look what this thing with Silicon Valley yeah I mean you, you didn't have the Fed or anybody else come out and say, "Look, it, we're gonna. You're not going to be in trouble at your local bank or your regional bank. Stay there." And they never said that. They don't mind the bigger ones getting bigger. They, yeah. they, they, I mean, oh, I mean, no, they don't. Yeah. Plus, there's actually rules uh, that how many deposits one bank is supposed to have. What's the max? It's supposed to be like, is it like eight percent? There's a what is the rule on that? I, mean, I don't. Know. I don't know, maybe I'll look it up. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that rule is. But I think all, all the, if, are they all all the big ones are over it, right? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think that if if that's a rule, that's a regulation that you know they allow the the big banks to yeah. uh, not comply with. 
But if you if you look at the history, we had all the we had this great diversity in banks: small banks, big banks, community banks, commercial banks, all kinds of different kinds of banks. And those banks were set up to fuel, I think, innovation and growth and opportunity. But it, I think what I what what I'm seeing, what you're seeing, is it's almost purposeful. Yeah. To me, because you look at bank lending, it really didn't drop off too much. Bank lending has continued to rise as interest rates have risen. And I'm, I'm trying to pen an article on this right now. But it, as the Fed has raised interest rates, you, you see lending increase at the same time. And so I, I'm kind of thinking they're raising interest rates, maybe not on purpose, but they're raising interest rates. And it's causing consolidation. And this is what, you know, I came across this recording of Murray Rothbard giving a lecture, I think, at Columbia. And he, and he says three things, the three groups in society. There's three groups in society in the Keynesian model. There's the consumer, there's the investor, and there's the government. The consumer is a dumb bot, right? They need a tax cut or they need a, a, a government check to spur their spending there because they're dumb bots. Then you have the investor who is irrational. Then you have the wise, advised government. And so I, I think under that, and that's what Keynesianism is, right? Government is wise. Government can yeah. dial up a, a tax cut or raise taxes or bump up government spending or, or lower it, depending on if recession or, or expansion. They're wise, especially if they're advised. Yeah, I rhymed. They think they have the tools... To smooth yeah. out to smooth out the normal business cycle and other things. Yeah, yeah. So under that, if you're a Republican or a Democrat that describes this way of thinking, I think that I think Keynesianism is the seed of fascism because the consumer is a dumb bot. George Bush says to consumers after you know the World Trade Center comes down, hey, nothing to see here. Just go back to being a good little consumer. Yeah. Right? We need you to be a good little consumer. Then the investors are rational. Right. So if, if you think that, and you think the Keynesian model, it biases you toward this idea that, hey, we're in government, we're bureaucrats, we're experts, we're smarter than everybody else. That is the seeds for fascism. And if you really think about it, what do Democrats call Republicans? Fascist. What do yeah. Republicans call Democrats? Fascist. Am I too far off here? No. It's... So I think this is, I think this is this is the problem that America faces right now. Well, but economics is is it's clearly it's a struggle. I mean, it's it is the science of scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. Which which makes it a very difficult subject from day one. Maybe well, in some academic circles, they, people will say there's no such thing as scarcity. Well, <laughs> I'm like, well, there, there are there are people that. would say, depending on how you define it, every, everything is the definition, right? Yeah. I mean, from the from the monetarist school, there's no such thing as a shortage. The price is just too low. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. But but that's how you distribute. How do you, I mean? How do you distribute stuff that's scarce? Okay, if you don't, if you're in a social socialistic society, you say no matter how much money you have, no matter maybe it won't even be any money, no matter what it is, everybody's going to get an equal share. Okay, and so that that's a social. Well, what, 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 but what ends up happening that system is well, the, there's no such the proletarian. Thing the yeah. ruling proletarians are the ones that have all the goods. Well, everybody yeah. else, they, they get to pay for. They get a. They get a. They get to feel good about an artificial low price. But there's nothing to buy, right? Well, but I'm saying that the the theory of the different, yeah. which I think when most people who t- 
talk about them don't even really know what the original stuff is they're talking about. But yeah. uh, but the, the theory of of the uh, you know the, the capitalist system, well, wherever we want to de- we want to define that, really has nothing to do with uh, you know oligarchs and people like that. It has to do with yeah. okay if if people use a, a, uh, make the, their own decisions, okay the the person who is who uh, is the most vibrant, the one who has the best ideas, is going to attract the most capital, and then and then he's going to make his decisions. And it, it, the, the capitalistic system is going to incentivize people to do better, where a socialistic system necessarily does not. But then the, the flip side of that is, if you're the guy who does better in a capitalist system, you get paid more, you get to buy more. That's how you get incented. Where in a socialist yeah. system, everybody's going to get the same amount. Now, clearly, and, and, and if you're yeah. if you're succeeding in a capitalist system, you're going to expand your operations. You're going to build right, a but it doesn't. Here, you're going to build a factory there. You're going to hire more people, and I and it again. I think it lifts everybody up. Well, it does to the extent. But then, if you reach the point where you get so big that you stop competition, let's talk about this after the break. SP futures down twelve, Nasdaq futures down thirty six. That's when you have to put antitrust laws because you are actually stopping competition at that point. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow, Ben Weber on the board. SP Futures down 12. Nasdaq Futures down 37. Now Futures down 106. So we're down, we were down almost twice this much last time we did this. And like I said, we're creeping up. We have the, you know, every time we've had a, 
any kind of a sell-off in the last two, three weeks, except for maybe one or two days. We've, we've just bought right, bought right. People have seen that as an opportunity. I will see if that happens again today. So far, it looks like it might be. Uh, over in Europe, we got the DAX down 60.4%. FTSE up one. Call that flat. Cat ground down 11. Call that flat. So not much going on there. Over in Asia, we have the Nikkei up 18. Call that flat. Hang Seng down 305, retracing what they a lot of the update they had on Friday, 1.5%, Shanghai down 15.5% uh, on Friday, a while ago. Dow was down 108, S&P down was 16, and NASDAQ down 93, so we finished the week on a down day, but still was a pretty solid up week. Up ads were unchanged at 3.77, the Bund down 7 basis points, 2.44, Japan unchanged at 0.39. We've got oil. Uh, back up over 70, 71.27, up down 51 cents today, but it was under 70 last week. Uh, Brent up 5 cents, 76.14. Natural gas unchanged, 263. Arbob down 4 cents, 263 is the gas was up 25 cents where I was this week. Uh, gold down 5 bucks, 1966. Silver down 18 cents, 23.94. Copper unchanged, 389. We've got Bitcoin. Up 215, bouncing back a little bit here, 26,853, and we've got the U.S. dollar uh, unchanged against the euro, and actually uh, a little bit stronger against, almost 0.4% stronger against the pound. Pounds down to 1.274. Betty, what do you got for us, Trevi, Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a fallen tree that's blocking the entrance ramp onto uh, Belmont uh, from Cassaba Lakeshore Drive on the southbound side, and that's causing delays if you're heading southbound on the drive uh, due to that fallen tree with crews on the scene working to get that out of the way, but that's interesting. Not sure why. There's no wind. There hasn't been any wind or storms lately, but uh, apparently that's an issue right now, so that's affecting folks heading southbound on Lakeshore Drive, <clears throat> and that's really our only issue on, air, on any of the area expressways except for normal traffic building. Uh, as we're over an hour now from O'Hare into downtown due to the uh, construction on the Kennedy. And we're seeing high traffic volumes on the inbound Eisenhower and Stevenson expressways. Uh, but again, nothing out of the ordinary there. Weather today, a beautiful late June day. Uh, sunshine, mild temperatures, a high of 75. Right now it's clear and 65 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 103 today. Right now it's clear and 84. In sports, Cubs have won 9 out of 11. They blew out the Pirates last night 8 to nothing. Sox lost to the Rangers 5 to 2, and it was the D-backs beating up on the Brewers 9 to 1. Chief, Maybe did you uh, take a couple seconds here, Hell, because there's a couple of uh, headlines here just that just came out that uh, um, showed that what you and I are talking about isn't just theory where we should be in a, the hallowed halls of academia and shut up. I mean, it's, it's, it's right in front of our face here. But anyway, I was reading a uh, thing about the five people who the Cubs should maybe take a look at in the draft because what the, they have like the 13th pick or something 12th okay. pick somewhere in there and they had one guy that immediately caught my my, my eye they had some guy who's uh, everybody's bitching at him because he doesn't hit home runs right but he's, his batting average is like huge his on base percentage is terrific I guess he plays great outfield he's like an 80 what's an 80 plus runner what does that mean he's faster than 80% of the people or something that would be know. a good guess yeah he, but he said he, he's stolen a bunch of bases Somebody goes, this could be the leadoff hitter that everybody's looking for for somebody for the next 15 years. I'm thinking, get him. Get him. <laughs> also, this kid, Morrell, where's he going to play? Who's the ad man out? Could they teach him to play third? I think they're, that's the plan is they're going to put him at third for a while. He's, uh, he's not a great outfielder, although he's a good athlete. Um, a great arm, isn't he? Yeah, he's more of an infielder. 
And, um, you know, you're not going to put him at second because he's not as good as Horner. You're not, definitely not going to put him at shortstop. So third makes sense, and Wisdom's on the IL right now, so I think they're going to play him there for a few days and see if he can do it because they don't want his bat out of the lineup, that's for sure. Plus, he's too young to be a DH. I mean, he's too talented to be a DH. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, but he, but he's, otherwise, it's going to be uh, Happer Suzuki. One of them's the odd man out. Yeah, and it's not going to be either of those two guys. Even though this kid, I think, could be better. To one. Well, I think he could, too. Um, but those guys, you know, you just you just paid both of them, and um, they're they're everyday guys. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Talkman, you're going to ride in center as long as he stays hot like this. You know, let let him go, and and he's been batting leadoff and, and been terrific. Uh, he's he's like fourth in in all of baseball and on base percentage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Morell is going to be, you know, like you said, he's too young and dynamic to be a DH every day. Uh, you would think. So I think they're going to try him at third. I hope this kid, the first baseman comes back and does well. If not, he'd be, what, like the, the fifth one and certainly in my lifetime of a big first baseman that the Cubs drag out of AAA that don't make it? Yeah, certainly more have not made it than 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 have. Obviously, Grace and Rizzo uh, both had great yeah. careers coming up out of the minor leagues uh, at first base, but uh, we can name a bunch of others that did Rizzo's the one guy they should not have let go. I would agree. He's been he's been really good with the Yankees too. He's hitting two ninety five. He never hit that much before. Oh, he's had a best average now of his career, isn't he? Yeah. What uh, he loves that short porch in right field there too. Oh yeah. Well, what's the who was the guy that was before uh, he stopped? The guy that ended up being a pitcher. They brought up and he ended up pitching in the major like leagues. Brooks for Kieschnick or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he did, but he he stopped. Never came back from his that injury, the, the concussion. I was there that day when he hit his head on the ground. He had the ambulance in the field and everything. He, he never came back from that. I think that was a problem. With a lot of these concussions, you really don't come back from, especially in baseball, and you, you got to react that quick. Anyway, I, I don't know that he he never really played anywhere, did he? After that, a little bit, a little bit, but not much. I think and he was. A, I think he went back to Korea. Yeah, he was a he was a he was a bona fide to be star. I thought, but anyway, they, they, he was there. You know, him and Corey Patterson were their can't miss prospects of that era. Yeah, and um, both of them. Showed flashes, but then both had injuries and then never really did anything after that. Well, Corey was all speed, and once he hurt his knee, he was pretty much, that was it for him, right? Yeah. I was there both days. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a jinx or what. Uh, Hal, uh, we have, you know, what we talk about, I mean, some of it, I guess, is in the sky economics, or in the, in the someplace, <laughs> in the sewer economics, whatever you want to call it. Here we are today, Eli Lilly, which, you know, these big companies, I'm going to say that it's not like they don't have a research department. I mean, they do. Uh, how many people do you think they have employed to do nothing but research other places to buy? So they, they become, they're going to acquire Dice Therapeutics for $2.4 billion, uh, because these guys have a autoimmune treatment uh, system where they come up with uh, drugs, where they have some drugs in the pipeline to treat some of these autoimmune diseases. Now, how much of this is these guys will never get it through the FDA? And this, this is this is not right. You know, that, that all these people do is sit around and use money from patented drugs to buy other places. I think it's a problem with what you're, the theory you're talking about. Here's the other one. Drug makers aim to strike down Medicare drug price negotiations at the Supreme Court. Does anybody not think that these big trunk drug companies have their nose so far up the ass of government we've got to get it the hell out of there, or, or is it just me? Well... I can see both sides of it. Um, I think the pharmaceutical healthcare industry, as I've said over and over and over, they have all kinds of government-granted monopoly power. Uh, and but 
you have that government granted monopoly power, and you should expect high drug prices as a result of that. Which we have. But then the Biden, the Biden administration comes in, and it caps a lot of these prices of these drugs, and the result of that is shortages. And I think most of the shortages are in the types of medicine that require, like, mechanical devices like injectors and whatnot. So you, you, you have predictable shortages from price controls. So I think what the Biden administration is trying to do is they're kind of doing what Venezuela did, right? Chavez gets elected to do what? He, he promises that he's going to bring prices down, right? And the, the prices are probably due to the fact that there's all kinds of corruption and cartelization and a monopoly power going around. So he comes in and he, and he caps the prices. Now all of a sudden you got these shortages. And so what does he do? He kind of saber rattles and he says, we're going to na- nationalize these industries because they're not producing the demand that we want them to produce. And so he nationalizes industry and he pushes the supply out and these companies are making losses. Whether they're owned by government or not, they're going to make a loss at the demand that is needed when there's a price uh, uh, cap in place. And so you have to paper over those losses. And how do you paper those losses? You you pretty much have money. So Biden is seeing these high prices, and it's the result of the monopoly power that these companies have. And he, he feels in his heart, I don't know, I don't know his heart. He feels in his heart, well, let's just say he's a kind of benevolent leader, thinks the prices are too high. Which they are. And so he caps the prices. Well, that creates additional consequences. Um, in, in theory, I, I could never argue with you on that, but it's really hard to drop in, in a cesspool industry where people have been combining and every conceivable antitrust law has been broken for the last year in my lifetime. Yeah. It's pretty hard to in, interject a, uh, a dose of economic realism like you're trying to do and say, that's wrong. Because once, once it gets out of control like that, I don't see how you... And we had, they just we decided to have first of all the idea of, of a patent being seventeen years in an industry in these this day and age, to me is insane. Yeah. And and plus when you have insurance companies involved and people aren't directly paying, then you have a real mess up there because people are essentially when they buy something they're, they're using other people's money. So you have two really big screw ups in in your your and my economic world out of the gate. So yeah. it's, it's pretty hard to apply the rest of the principles that you and I would like to apply when you've already got that screw-up going, or screw-ups going. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, John Dyer on, and we, I'd love to have him back. I'm sure he'd come back. Uh, he knows more about that industry than just about anybody. I mean, the guy was on the board of Osco Drug when he was like 30 or something. Uh, the amount of, shall we say, economic discontinuities in the system. He said when it first became the uh, generic drugs... There are all kinds of companies. And all of a sudden, they almost all got bought up by the bigger companies again. And now they're back to being owned by the same people. Remember the, uh, God, how long ago was it, Maddie? We were doing the show, and Walgreens came out with the, Walgreens, uh, Walmart came out with the, how many generic drugs they were just going to sell for five bucks for the prescription? Because that's how cheap they are to make. And uh, I'm going to say that if you look at that list today, 
do they even have any fine hours anymore, Maddie? I, I mean, I don't know if you know, but uh, we have not heard. I've not heard anything like that. Um, Audrey, I think, has something she takes. I don't even, I don't even ask. Uh, that she used to get at Walmart for five bucks, and it's now sixty-five. I mean, the, the the that all those people got bought up again, and the prices. I mean, they're exactly what it says in the, in the Clayton or the Sherman Act. Any combination resulting in restraint of trade. Plus, a lot of them are made in China or in India. Ones in China, some of them don't work. They're generics. Um, my doctor, uh, my newer doctor, she she says she has really really is a problem uh, prescribing the generics, knowing that the generic doesn't work near as well as the other one because well, they're not made here. You don't know what's in them. I mean, so the thing is really kind of a with all the regulation that supposedly makes these things even and it it's it's a bigger mess than I think you and I can even imagine. Now, I mean, I and I you know to try and interject. Well, if only we let these guys charge more, all would be okay. They're already charging how much more than the well, general, I'm, not, you know, I'm, you know. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm saying let them face the competition. Well, you have this marriage. Yeah. Yeah, you have this marriage of government with pharma companies. And government says this drug by this pharmaceutical company is great and they they say, well, they're the only ones that can sell it too. And I think that le- and they have protections. Yeah. I think that actually leads to less innovation because they sit on their pat. Well, sure. For seventeen years. Well, actually- if, they, if they faced the, if they faced competitors, they'd have to con- constantly, well, you constantly. Know that, you know they had they managed uh, update. To, well, they weaseled another two years out of the Viagra and Levitra or of uh, Cialis. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you get nineteen? There was some yeah. something they did to. What, I mean, I, you know, it's funny, um, Hal, I don't, I don't know if you, when you do your history stuff, and I'm not going to, of economics, the, the point by point, what we're talking about, you can, you can take the, the railroads as being essentially the menu. Because when you talk about, okay, the same thing, you, you granted somebody essentially a monopoly. The first railroad out of Chicago, and most people would not get this, and neither I would have selected it either, was actually the railroad from Chicago to Galena, Illinois, because it was a silver mine there. You would have thought it would have been the Northwestern or one of the other ones, but it wasn't. It was a Chicago, Galena, Western, I don't know, whatever the name of the thing was. Well, you give somebody a monopoly, all right? You give them a certain amount of property on each side of the, of the, of the place, and you say you can sell that to build the road, and that's what you do. Okay, so now there's no roads, right? So suppose there's some, some poor farmer named Hal along the way who's growing corn or he's got a bunch of cows to go to market or steers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and he goes to the railroad and said, hey, how about a, you guys, you haul my corn? <laughs> and you say, by the way, how much to haul my corn? How much you got? <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, basically it's it's a monopoly. So you've given those things out to people and that's how you ended up with the, what the hell was it? It was the uh, ICC? The, yeah. the books where there was a book for everything, how much you could charge. Otherwise, one guy where his competition, you could ship a, a boat, uh, a boatload, a, a carload of corn to L.A. cheaper, and you could you could send it to Indianapolis if there was only one railroad there and two to L.A. So you can't yeah, have shipping rates. Yeah, shipping so, rates in the south, shipping to the south was cheaper than shipping out of the south. Yeah, I think no, shipping out of the south was cheaper than shipping in the south. One of the one of those two because the south exported cotton and tobacco, and they didn't import very very much. So uh, they had these 
price differentials going in versus going out. And geography plays a big factor in that. You know, in New York State, you have the canal system competing with the railroads. You have well, after after a while, the canal was yeah. there long before the railroad. Yeah. Right. But then, but then you also have the railroads north and south competing with river systems like the Mississippi too. Right. So east and west, you didn't really. That but I mean, because, but when you say yeah. that, you're you're talking about somebody like we are in the 21st century. There there was a period of 20 years where there was no competition and people got screwed, right? Yeah. Oh, then, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, oh, there's, but, a, there's a road but, over there. Yes, my price just went down. You know, right? Yeah. But because firms over the long run, because firms that had that monopoly position have this uh, huge margin that invites competition, but that competition can't enter the market if government is granting its monopolies. That's what you see in healthcare, in health insurance. You have these companies with these monopoly positions. It's like the Federal Reserve. It's, it's a banking cartel, right? And what do banking cartels want to do? They want to get ever bigger. Uh, and I think that's what's behind raising interest rates from, what, 0.15 to well, but oh, just over 5? But in, in the long run, and you know, I used to, I used to love, uh, well, I didn't say it to their face, my professors at the University of Chicago, I used to love saying, you know, the, the ivory tower tenured professor, for, 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 <laughs> for him a long term was fine. For other people, it it wasn't so fine, you know. I mean, yeah, it was, it's hard. I mean, yeah. if, if you if you uh, whatever, if if you were somebody who uh, need, needed, you know, needed wanted whatever, how many girlfriends you might have, who the hell knows? Well, if you if you needed a Viagra four nights a week, you know, my hats off to you. But, but if you <laughs> if if you did for a period of nineteen years, you're paying fifty bucks for something that should have cost five. Okay, yes, the, if you're George Stigler, Milton Friedman, and the Ivory Tower University of Chicago, you'll say, in the long run, okay, yeah, here it is <laughs> 20 years later, they're five bucks. But how much that money still went to somebody and not you, a real lot of money can change hands in the short term. Yeah. Before things, anyway, so, I mean, so. Well, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of market barriers that get put in place that yeah. is more than just uh, what we're talking about, right? You have con laws, licensing. Uh, you have states giving companies tax breaks that nobody else has. Yeah. All that stuff adds up to real, real market barriers, right? So in order to reverse that, we have to limit all of these things that businesses lobby government for. Well, and what, just treat everybody equally well, under the law. But once they do anything, you know, once you declare a patent, I'm not, I'm not for price controls any more than you are. Okay, but if I'm going to give a uh, somebody comes up with a, with a say a cancer drug, you know, or whatever it is, and I know in my heart of hearts, maybe once in a while, maybe maybe once in a while, somebody took this thing from cradle to grave, or not grave, cradle to birth, or whatever, uh, conception to birth, but by and large, they didn't. There's going to be a, a lady like uh, what was her name, Kay, uh, Katie, uh, who was on the show. Who's done a lot of work at, at Northwestern or Minnesota, wherever the hell she was? There's there's a lot of people like Katie out there that have done something research on these these drugs. They're bringing it somewhere, and all of a sudden, somewhere a hospital in, in cohorts with with Pfizer pops this thing out there, and they get this 17 year patent. Well, there's a lot of people 
the hospital being one of them that aren't compensated for this, right? And all of a sudden we're going to say, okay, for 17 years, this is something now that, say, everybody needs. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a cure for Alzheimer's. And it's got the blessing of government, too. So okay, but I'm saying... Marketing advantage, right? Right, but there's, there's some number on this. I mean, it's like the, the polio vaccine. You know, how much it came up, suppose it would have been patented... There would have been people, my parents, I mean, I, I, you know, I was really young, but my mother told me about stuff afterward. I would have, I would have guessed my dad was a policeman and my mom worked in a bank, okay? I'm going to say that in that era, if you, if you put their, their fannies to the wall, they would have coughed up six months' pay to, have, to get me and, 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 and my cousins and so forth a polio vaccine. It was such a horrible disease. Yeah. Yet... What, but you don't give somebody a patent and then say, charge whatever you damn well please for 17 years after you basically kick them away from competition for that. You can't do that, right? Yeah. I mean, there has to be some... I mean, I, I get it. If every time there's a polio shot, you got to get a guy like Matty Weber jumping into the Amazon River fighting with piranhas and pulling their teeth out to get the venom from a piranha fish, and it actually costs you five grand for every shot... Well, then I get it. But if it, if, it, if it costs you two bucks and you start this pontificating BS about, well, for future development and for my salary and for the right return and we need to charge two grand for something that costs us 50 bucks, I'm not buying that, Al. I mean, what you, and, and, oh, you got to throw in, yeah. I want to buy an island, too. Yeah. I, should, I, have the, I need to buy an island, right? Yeah, a but private I, island, my own private residence, because I, I need a billion dollars for that, right? It's, it's one thing to give a patent for a hula hoop that nobody gives a crap about. <laughs> And saying charge yeah. whatever you want, it's quite another to give a to give a patent for a drug that maybe you were you were part and parcel of the development to start with by giving money to these these labs and universities and giving it to somebody charge whatever you damn well please for the next seventeen years. I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I, I also think uh, Western medicine is given way too much credit for the advances in life expectancy uh, and finding illness. I think the I think bigger drivers of that. Are we? If we choose, we can have better nutrition. Uh, we have uh, safer jobs, um, and we have uh, sanitation. And I think I think the biggest thing that I started doing during the pandemic that helped me was constantly washing my hands. I think that was the biggest thing that I could. That zinc, quercetin, vitamin D, vitamin C. Those four things are, I think, what my family has done really well, and we haven't had a flu in our house, a really serious flu, since before the pandemic, because we 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 take zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D every day, and then we wash our hands a lot, and I think that right there, just proper nutrition, and san- sanitary. We're not we're not sanitizing the house. We're just washing our hands a lot. Well, this generation, uh, with, with a lot of exceptions, are not going down as hard because not everybody smokes, like the generation yeah. before. It's, exactly, and there's a, there's a lot deal. less smoking, too. That's a, lot, yeah. that's a yeah. huge deal. And, but yeah. there's a lot less smoking, but there's a lot more pot smoking. <laughs> well, there's a lot, a lot more pot smoking, but in my, in my parents' generation, everybody smoked. They came back from World War II. Everybody got yeah. nailed with all these, these industrial chemicals that people used to work with all day long. I can't even Oh, know. yeah. Yeah, yeah, cleaning up the work environment too. Yeah, because we live it. We have these much safer jobs, right? Well, I, I was. We're doing some work on a place, and I, 
I still like using oil-based paint outside. I think it lasts a lot longer. But anyway, that's right here, here or there. But I buy oh, it. you're going to be throwing a gel later on today. Well, I know. But I, well, I, I, when you get a thing <laughs> of paint, paint. When you get a thing of paint thinner, my uncle used to be a painter, and I used to help him out. We used to use benzene as a paint. Oh, thinner. wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, now, if you drop benzene out of the out of the window here, it would be a hazmat. The whole city, the whole two blocks of the right, Manny? <laughs> I mean, anyway, SP futures down ten. Nasdaq futures down twenty. Hey, Hal, uh, next time you're on, uh, you mentioned stuff about the banks earlier. Being in Illinois, being the last state that uh, you know allowed branch banking, there's still all kinds of banks here. But you've lived in Carolina, Utah, now in New York. Next week, could you give a little bit, Manny? Make a note, will you? Because I'll forget. Uh, yeah, if you if you look at the bank, the bank number of banks, every uh, every, every state is like wildly up and down. But in Illinois, it's really close to the national trend. It's really quite amazing. But I mean, some Western states, all you have is Wells Fargo branches, right? I mean, there's not, yeah, there's not. I mean, here, even as bad as the South Loop is now, the exchange is not here anymore. We can still walk what a thousand yards, many. There's six banks. Yeah, yeah the, the number of banks that over time in Illinois is rather quite stationary. It's really yeah. stable. It's really. Yeah, it's better. I was looking at the data over the weekend. But I'm, I'm saying you more about the other places. Yeah. SP futures down nine. Told you we'd be coming back here. SP futures down 17. Of course, did I buy anything new? Be, be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.